0: Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. This has been a year of reckoning for American journalism. In the wake of the racial justice protests last summer following the police murder of George Floyd, several leading journalism outlets reflected on their own roles regarding race and racism. In September, the Los Angeles Times apologized for its history of racism, which it detailed in a series of articles. In December, the Kansas City Star apologized for its history of anti-black racism and published a series of articles that addressed how the paper, quote, disenfranchised, ignored, and scorned generations of black Kansas Cityans. The demand for reckoning and and reflection has also come to Vermont. Last summer, racial justice activists in Burlington burned copies of Seven Days in anger over how a protest encampment was covered. This week in Vermont, a letter was released signed by over 50 people, including former governors Cunin, Dean, and Shumlin, addressed to the Vermont media. The letter stated, quote, We hope you will engage in internal conversations within your organizations about the issues of sexism, gender bias, and racism in reporting, and commit to the challenging work of reckoning with the unconscious biases that affect our public narratives every day. Uh, the letter went on to talk about the fact that Vermont's full-time political reporters and columnists are almost all male and white, it also looked at who is quoted uh noting that male legislators are quoted 56% of the time while women legislators are only quoted 44% of the time and talked about uh, commenting on women's appearances and stories and uh and it went on so here to discuss all of these issues we're joined by alex mclean she's a partner and president in leonine public affairs she was the former campaign manager for governor peter Shumlin when he ran for office kathy resmer is the deputy publisher of seven days Ann galloway is the founder and editor of vermont digger and kaya morris who serves as the movement politics director for rights and democracy in vermont and as a commissioner for the Vermont Commission on Women. Alex, uh, you're one of the signers of the letter. Maybe you could just talk about why uh, this letter uh, came, how it came about, and uh, what its key demands are.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, David. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to have this conversation. Uh, These conversations are the exact ones that we were hoping would occur um, from this letter. So I'm involved with a, a group of, an informal group of women who we've been chatting, we're chatting throughout the election. And throughout that time, there was a, a recurring frustration by me, as many of us of some of the coverage of female candidates in particular, whether it be commenting on their appearances, uh, whether it be a general dismissive tone, or whether it be an over-reliance on uh, quoting male Uh, political pundits or legislators. And Natalie Silver was a part of, she uh, is a Vermonter who has worked for a number of elected officials. And she had the idea of following in the footsteps of a national organization of women who sent a letter to press uh, during the presidential election, the time when there were historic number of candidate, female candidates running for president. And this group sent a letter to the national press, you know, really asking them to engage in these types of conversations about around bias. And Natalie brought this concept uh, to a number of us saying, hey, what if we do something similar here to really begin a conversation with the Vermont media about how we can do better here in Vermont?
0: And you're in an unusual position. You are a, a woman who owns one of Vermont's leading political reporting outlets, Uh, Seven Days is also uh, owned and uh, run by women. And you are no stranger to issues of sexism and and misogyny in your own industry, in the media industry. And yet here you are uh, being criticized for doing this. How do you respond to the letter?
1: Well, you know, I think that um,
2: there are two aspects of this, really. One is how I responded to it personally. Uh, And one is how I responded to it professionally. And professionally, we took steps right away to recognize that we had a problem. And we um, held an internal meeting with the editors to talk about what went wrong and why. And um, we, you know, had been rightly criticized by the Vermont Democratic Party in an email blast and by... um, several prominent female uh, government officials on Twitter. And um, it was time for us to have that discussion, which we did. And uh, we also engaged in uh, anti-bias training with the Pointer Institute in August. That was a newsroom-wide effort. And we're engaged in 2021 with two different organizations to both look at our um, own personal biases as we cover uh, issues of racial justice and um, and 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 uh, gender bias, um, and we're also um, working with a group called Free Press, which will help us look at our coverage more deeply uh, mm-hmm. and think about who's represented in our stories and making sure that our coverage is is equitable. So, those are some steps that we've taken. You know, on a personal level. Um, I started reading a book called Down Girl. I don't know if you all know it, but it's by um, a woman named uh, Kate Mann. She's an academic at Syracuse University. And the reason that I started reading this book was because um, I think that uh, it's sort of difficult to separate one's personal experience from this broader Issue of misogyny, which is kind of all around us, and it's sort of hard to identify unless you kind of separate it out. And um, you know, things like gaslighting uh, are very common for women. You know, situations in which you know you might have a particular, you might see things in a particular way, but there's no, but um, society at large sort of punishes you for seeing it that way. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of treats you like crazy town. Um, And I think that's a very common experience for women. I was talking with a friend of mine who is a very prominent attorney and we were sort of commiserating on the fact that neither one of us feel heard many, many times. You know, if you're very direct with people you're considered to be um, aggressive and shrill. You know, if you're um, too soft, people dismiss you. It's really hard to be heard as a woman in leadership or as a woman uh, generally, I think, in the society. So, um, you know, I think it's a really um, pretty entrenched issue that is is hard to deal with.
0: Kathy Resmer, uh, let me turn to you. Um, So seven days was, there was, I hesitate to call it a study. A student at UVM had looked at uh, the numbers of people quoted in stories. Uh, in both Seven Days and Vermont Digger, and found that uh, more than half, sometimes a lot more than half, of so-called experts or political leaders were typically men. And then there was the incident last summer, where you know, um, racial justice ad- uh, activists were very angry about coverage in Seven Days and burned copies of the newspapers in the street, which I must um, confess was a very disturbing image for to me um it certainly evokes images of uh, authoritarian and uh, you know regimes around the world but nevertheless here it happened how does the experience of the last year with a little distance from these events how do you reflect on your own publication's role in issues of gender bias coverage you know sexism racism etc
3: you know i really empathize with Uh, Anne's response that you have a personal and a professional reaction um, to this letter and to this conversation. Um, We've had uh, so many conversations over the last year about, both about um, issues of, you know, bias, about how we cover the news, about how we represent who we cover and and why, so I can say that, you know, Alex mentioned that you wanted this letter to begin a conversation with media in Vermont. And I would say that I'm, you know, really excited to have this conversation. And I think it's really important to be talking about these issues in media right now. I would also say that, um, all, I, I think I could speak for all of the media organizations in Vermont that we are all having these kinds of conversations right now in our newsrooms, um, and with editors and writers. Um, and it's, a uh, you know, there, you don't always see it in print um, or on camera, but these conversations are definitely happening and we're taking them seriously and trying to figure out where we have, how we have missed, if there, what, are, what have we missed? How have we missed it? How can we improve? Um, I also just want to say in terms of representation in the media, I do think it's really important to have women um, and to have your uh, media staff represent the, um, your population that you're reporting on. And I think it's, it's really, really important to, um, to show that. And um, I, I also think that we all are reporting on things that we don't experience ourselves. And so we're always constantly looking for You know how do we check um that our reporting is accurate that the way that we are presenting things is accurate um so i i guess i would say that we're having lots of conversations and um and i'm i'm also glad to know and that you pointed out that pointer training i reached out to them over the summer and we're looking for those kinds of trainings as well um and you know working to improve improve and and in terms of the study that you mentioned um yes absolutely we want to be quoting more women and um we're paying attention not just to who we quote, but who we feature Uh, in our coverage, the photos that we put in the newspaper. um, And not just about the news, but about in in all aspects of it, you know, in the advertising that we show um, on the cover, the cover of our newspaper is, you know, circulated all around Vermont. And what you put there really does make a difference. Um, And, you know, I point out that this month, or I'm sorry, this week, we have a we have a uh, issue of State Tripper, which is like um, our internal. It's like a, a um, marketing Vermont to Vermonters. And I just want to point out that the image that we chose for that cover is a black woman running on a field, running on a road in a rural road in Vermont. You know, those kinds of representations are really important as well. Not just the representation of who is um, on staff, but also the way that we're portraying Vermont and the image that we're presenting of Vermont.
0: Um- Alex McLean, uh, as one of the signers and sort of movers behind this letter, what does repairing the harm look like in this instance? What are the signers of the letter hoping comes of this? Uh, And for those who are just tuning in, this is a letter um, about gender bias and uh, representation and racism in Vermont media. And um, so, Alex, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so... I think that in terms of what we were looking for, it's really looking forward. Um, I think that we're frankly have been so grateful of the response of uh, the media outlets in Vermont to this letter, you know, Anne and Kathy's responses today, um, you know, are are, frankly kind of a refreshing and exactly, uh, exactly what we were hoping would happen. I think that what we were looking for is doing better in the future. And what does that look like? I think it looks like exactly what Kathy and Ann have outlined today, having staff have bias training um, on gender bias, on racist racism bias, um, having internal conversations about what their staffing looks like, making sure that staff uh, reporters are representing Vermonters across the board and aren't just white males. Um, and as Kathy's pointed out, you know, making sure that all the coverage, whether it be political coverage or whether it be a photo and advertising, making sure that it's more representative and equal. Um, so I think that's exactly what we were we were hoping would occur. Um, and we're just thrilled that this has been the response. I think that, you know, media outlets could have been defensive in their response to this letter, and we've not seen that, whether it be Ann Galloway's response or Scott Finn of VPR's response, I think. That um, the owners and leaders of media in Vermont have, you know, stood up and taken responsibility and said, "We get you. We get it. We hear you, and we're we're doing the work to do better."
0: we should also add in a layer of complexity here which is the other context of this conversation conversation is the unprecedented strain that journalism is under right now where large parts of the country particularly in rural areas have become news deserts uh, one in five newspapers has shuttered in the last 15 years there's been a loss of, I, I believe it's thirty thousand jobs in the journalism and media space in that time frame. So, um, so we add that piece in. Um, Kathy, do you uh, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, as you look to represent the communities better who you cover, this is also part of that reality.
3: David, I have so many thoughts about that. We don't have time <laughs> for all of the thoughts that I have about that. Um, I think about it all the time, uh, and I I know that Ann does too. Um, And, you know, I I do, I want to talk about that. I want to just also zoom out a little bit. You know, one of my reactions to this letter, which I'm, like I said, so grateful for this conversation. I also just want to point out that um, there is a larger story here, which you sort of um, mentioned, David, in the beginning, which is that Vermont has women, not just, uh, okay, so the the number of women we have covering politics is not as big as we would like. The number of women columnists we would have, not as big as we would like. And, and certainly we have lots of room to improve in terms of racial diversity of our, of our staffs. But if you look at, I have been trying to get national reporters to cover this for years. If you look at who is in charge of Vermont media outlets, it is a very exciting picture. There, were, there was a time just a few years ago where you had Robin Turnow Running VPR, Holly Groshner running Vermont PBS, Anne Galloway running Vermont Digger, and Paula Ratley running Seven Days. And this is not—they're um, not reporting out the news necessarily all the time. You know, Ann and Paula bar- are both um, do reporting, but and they're not necessarily editing every story. But they're signing the checks. They're making the decisions about who gets hired, what where we focus our energy. And I think that that is a really exciting story. And you also look in Vermont at. Um, the Valley News, Maggie Cassidy at Valley News, um, and Emily Stigliani at the Burlington Free Press, the editors there. We have women in positions of power in Vermont. It's an, it's really an anomaly around the country. And in fact, I wanted to point. I don't know if you guys saw this um, story in December in the Boston Globe. I have it for you can see on video. Ann Galloway's picture right here on the cover of the Boston Globe. Um, it, the headline is um, "Renegade Newsrooms Revitalize Vermont Market." Uh, And it's a story about Vermont Digger in Seven Days, and it features photos of Paula and of Anne. Um, So I think that there is a larger story um, around women in media in Vermont that is really exciting and that's not being told. That doesn't mean we can't do better. We're always wanting to improve. But I also think that um, there's a story that I I would love to tell more uh, about that.
0: Kaya Morris, what led you to sign on to this letter, Uh, looking at racism, gender bias in the Vermont media?
4: So we know that this is a challenge. It's something that um, has been brought up over time through different organizations. I remember having a really clear conversation with Curtis Reed a few years ago when we were talking about the Sanders Institute and looking at the ways that racism and sexism can come into and color the way that we have dialogues within the media around candidacy, around um, issues that shape public opinion in many ways. And so we know that um, this is something that we sort of feel inherently in our bones as people consider whether or not they will run for office as women are thinking about whether or not they want to place themselves in the crosshairs of both praise and criticism. There are always these tensions on how do I present myself in a way that will be authentic to myself, recognizing that it will be changed, it will be reshaped, it will be represented in a completely different way than um, what I might see to be truth and the voice that I want to bring um, within this, as a, how I am showing up as a candidate within this space something that had struck me very recently thinking about that was the conversations that came up around whether or not Bernie Sanders was going to be appointed within the Biden administration to a cabinet level position. And so then that automatically raises the questions of who will then take that space. So of these lists, because people came up with their wish lists and we had different media folks coming up with their wish lists. of These are all the folks that we think are qualified to take these spots. There was not a single woman of color. And I'm not even saying it had to be me, okay? It's not like these are sour grapes because my name didn't come up on the list. Because if there's anything we've seen in the last several years is that there is a plethora of incredibly qualified, incredibly brilliant women of color throughout this state who should be in all of these seats of power that could be up for consideration. But it wasn't even a second thought. In those conversations. And so we can see that there is a challenge. So when we also are saying who is qualified, that also carries a gravity and a weight that can skew the image of those who want to step forward and put their names on a ballot.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up, Kaya, because I think um, when we talk about gender bias, particularly in coverage of politics, I think that uh, there's the obvious things like talking about a female candidate in terms of her looks. But to me, the more permanent pernicious thing is the fact that women are just ignored. They're not taken seriously as candidates in just the way that you describe, they are not on those lists, uh, when, uh, they first come up. So, uh, what does it take Kaya to turn that around? What do you think repairing the harm looks like in this case?
4: I think what's gonna be really crucial in these moments is to find ways to get to know women candidates, get to know women electeds a little bit more deeply. I feel fortunate that I've had the great relationships that I've had with members of the media like yourself, <laughs> like Anne Galloway, um, like so many others that they've been able to see me as a whole person not as a singular issue, not as a singular platform, not as a political party designation, but as a whole person that's stepping into a narrative that we all need to learn fluency around. I think that we, in doing so, and getting that whole person perspective, it will allow for a shift in the way that we are, um, that we're presenting these women that are trying to do this great work on behalf of our state and our nation. I think another piece of that too is in hearing, because it, it unfortunately becomes too much of a reactionary thing that has to occur. It's a story came out in the way that it was framed, and there was a particular line that got edited in just the wrong way that tells a different story than the ones that honor the individuals who shared that story. Um, and so being able to be a, have a more iterative relationship, I think with the subjects might be helpful. It's something I know it's not necessarily traditional for the media to say, can we, can we find um, the points of intersection? Can we review the stories together to make sure that we're framing it in the right way? I remember having a conversation with you, David, when I stepped out of office and there was a point where I think the way that it was described was, and she quit or was chased out of her seat. And I said, you know, that's not how I want to frame this, because then that also sort of creates a gendered way of speaking about the story. So rather being one of empowerment to say, I made this decision for the sake of my family and myself, it's one that places a victim narrative over the whole story, if that makes sense. Mm
3: -hmm. And so those can be
4: very gendered things that we don't think about. They're just sort of built into how we talk about how we talk about these sort of remarkable moments and these remarkable um, narratives, but that there is a deeper way to speak to that. And I think that we can honor, we can honor all of our candidates. We can honor all of those that we're covering through the media by having that moment to allow for deeper narrative. The third piece that I know is super hard, and especially when we're thinking about print media and written media is that there are these sort of character word limits that happen in there. And so because of that, we end up with a Cliff Notes version of what we need to know about these individuals and to why we should get to know them as potential individuals to represent us in these places of power. And so that's something that has to go back to your editorial boards (laughs) to figure out if there's a better way to be able to give a fuller story so that we can start to ask critical questions and um, get to learn on a deeper level about those folks
0: and Galloway, let me give you the last word here. Uh, you know as y- you are uh in the unglamorous role of running a media organization with a lot of reporters and you're always in the business of hiring and looking for new people as you chart a course going forward and and uh as many of you point out, this is an, a remarkable moment in Vermont politics where. The leadership in the legislature is all women. The big money committees are are all women. Um, And yet we still have never sent a woman to Washington in any capacity. So as you look at covering this diverse landscape going forward, Anne, what do you want to do differently? What are you trying to do?
2: Well, I really liked what Kaya said about um, finding a way to honor the candidates, while at the same time, you know, it is our obligation to hold people to account. So it is a difficult balance, but I think at least we ought to be able to help people understand the people who are running. And one of the things I've thought a lot about, to Kaya's point about giving people more space, I, I do think that the podcast format that you use, David, is a place to do that, to literally give people voice. And I think that's one way that we could do a better job of um, including um, the fuller story of candidates who are running for office. Um, I also think that, oh, sorry about that. I've got a phone call. You were in a
0: newsroom. Yes, you can hear (laughs) that. (laughs)
2: Um, You know, I also think that um, we need to reach out to a broader array of sources. Um, We need to diversify the representation of people on our site in the same way that Kathy talked about looking at not only the words, but also the, the images. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do going forward to improve the way uh, we cover um, w- women in Vermont. And um, that also goes for our coverage of racial justice issues. We have much, much more to learn about how to improve in the way we, um, we cover Vermont going forward. You know, I think the interesting thing about this period of time is that we do have an opportunity as uh, media organizations to provide some leadership in this area and help uh, to bring people across the state together. And that's really ultimately our obligation.
0: Okay, well, I want to thank all of you for joining us this week on the Vermont Conversation. Alex McLean, a partner and president at Leonine Public Affairs. Kaya Morris, a commissioner on the Vermont Commission on Women and Movement Politics, director for Rights and Democracy. Kathy Resmer, deputy publisher of Seven Days. And Ann Galloway, the founder and editor of Vermont Digger. Thanks so much for joining us.